To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch buck? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's podcast, I have on Dan Staten from Elk Shape. Uh, man, I really like Dan. Uh, he is continually putting in the work to improve his skill set to be better in the field after elk. Uh, the guy just absolutely loves it. Uh, he's the the model of, of discipline and dedication, and so we dive into it on this podcast. We talk about improving for next season and improving for future seasons uh, of elk hunting, and um, we talk about some of our failures, and we talk about self-improvement. Like We're all working to be a better version of ourselves, and Dan is no different. I'm no different, and so that's what we discuss on the podcast is, is just this off-season and, and what we're doing. Uh, to get that 1% or to be better in next hunting season. And um, just a fascinating conversation. And uh, like I say, uh, every time I talk to Dan, I always get pumped. Um, so it's just a great podcast for the off season, for putting in the work and uh, improving yourself, getting better and being successful. So it's just an awesome podcast. I really enjoyed it. I know you guys are going to enjoy it too. I want to thank my sponsors for today's show. I want to thank Matthews. Dan Staten is also shooting Matthews bows. Uh, that new V3X is a shooter. Uh, man, I have just fallen in love with this bow. This year, I'm shooting the 29-inch, so they have a 29 and a 33. Uh, the 29 just seemed to uh, fit me better. Uh, I was better in the draw cycle, and uh, so I thought I'd go with that shorter axle-to-axle, and I really like it. Things shooting for me. I love how they have uh, the integrated riser that will accept your sight. I'm working with um, uh, Black Gold as my site now, so they're going to get me a new dovetail for that thing. And they're going to come out with a new dovetail for everybody. So it fits inside the bow. Uh, that new quiver system by Matthews fits so tight to the bow. Uh, their, their rest using the QAD, which has never let me down in five years of using it. And uh, it, it mounts right on the um, riser with this dovetail system. So it's never going to come loose always functions and operates properly and so what it does is it balances all the way to the bow so it just holds really well uh super forgiving this thing is just putting in some great groups for me uh super excited about it i'm also getting great performance out of it uh, you just can't go wrong these matthews are building great bows so if you're in the market for it make sure to go out try it out shoot it that new v3x is a shooter and uh, thanks to matthews for their support I also want to thank Sig Sauer Optics. I've been using Sig Sauer for the last handful of years, and I'm really impressed with their glass. Uh, I've been using their binos. They're 11 by 45s. I also have a pair of 15s that have created a bunch of opportunities for me. Tripoded up, picking apart distant terrain or picking apart the shadows. Just an absolute game changer. Uh, also like their scope. They're 27 by 55 by 80 mil objective lens. Uh, that thing is so crisp. I uh, just picked the world apart with it. Really like their scope. Uh, I also like their image stabilizing binos. I started using these last year and they're a game changer. Uh, they have a pair of 10 by 32s and a pair of 16 by 45s. Um, man, it's uh, to go up on top of a windy ridge and click that switch and have everything 
uh, stabilized. It's like you're glassing off a tripod, but you're freehanding. And so I really like these. I've also got them in my buddy's hands, and um, now they have sets of them. Uh, It's just uh, it's not too often that you find a product that absolutely changes the way you glass, and that's what those image-stabilizing binos do. Uh, I also love their rangefinders. They have the BDX system that'll talk to your uh, app on your phone, to your scope of your rifle, to your rangefinder. Uh, I also like their rangefinders just for bow hunting. Uh, they have great angle compensation on them, uh, hit light and dark targets the same, a powerful laser to be able to shoot through gla- grass. I really think they're building the best rangefinders on the market right now. So uh, if you're in the market for anything uh, that has to do with glass, make sure to check out Sig Sauer Optics. And with that, uh, get this podcast out to you guys, and then um, I'm flying to Salt Lake, do the Western Hunting Expo. Eastman's has a booth this year. Uh, Come by and see us. We're going to be doing some live podcasts there. Going to be doing, um, we'll have some some mounts there. Uh, All the guys will be in the booth. Guy Eastman, Ike, Dan Bacar will be there. Um, So come check us out. Come say hi. I'd love to meet some of you guys if you're there at that show. And... um, yeah, make sure to check out everything we're doing, the the Eastman's Hunting TV. There's a, a new uh, Nevada High Country episode out on there. Uh, you can check out uh, uh, Beyond the Grid, the Internet TV show. We'll have some new episodes dropping there. Uh, check out the magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal, uh, Eastman's Tag Hub, our internet research tool. And now they're selling it as a premium membership where you get uh, Eastman's Tag Hub, you get both magazines, uh, you get access to all our videos. So that new Nevada high country hunt, you can go on there and watch it uh, if you're a member of Tag Hub. Uh, they also have um, uh, promo discounts for uh, all our um, uh, you know, different different vendors that we use or different sponsors of the show so you can get discounts there and you're also entered to win a bunch of hunts and if you're applying for or if you're putting in for that premium membership on tag hub uh, make sure to put in tag hub and then put in brian and save you a little coin on on the uh, bottom dollar there so check that out Uh, like i say i'm going to be at the show there so hope to meet a few of you guys there and uh, hope to record some really good podcasts so we're going to be doing them live broadcast from the booth um, so should be pretty cool. So we'll, um, get this podcast out to you guys and then I better hop on a plane and get down there and help set up that booth and, um, get this thing rolling. So looking forward to it. So, uh, with that, let's get into this podcast. Dan Staten from Elk Shape. Um, one of my favorite guys to talk to. The guy is, uh, so driven and disciplined and dedicated to hunting elk. Uh, I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. All right, I got my buddy Dan Staten on the line. Um, super pumped to have Dan on. I've I've been watching him uh, working hard this whole off season, getting ready, and it seems like uh, everything in his life is either structured towards uh, his family or elk hunting. You know, so man, happy to have you on, Dan. Hey, man, appreciate it. Uh, love talking to you, dude. You're the best. Um, Man, I, I've been seeing uh, you putting in the work for next elk season. It takes total dedication, doesn't it, if you want to expect to have even a chance at success? I think. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, it's it hasn't gotten it really any easier. Kind of, I said it before, but like the slate wiped clean every year, and uh, I really mean it. Like, I feel like I'm starting over, so 
yeah, we're we're in the thick of it. It's time to lay the pave out the path and build the foundation and uh, just start over. But I I kind of like that, man. Actually, it, it's a good little motivator and uh, kind of keep you focused on what's important. But I can't get it. I'm just a fiend like you, bro. I just can't get enough of this stuff, man. <laughs> Oh man, that's totally it. It it is enjoying the entire process and that's enjoying the process of elk hunting during season, but it's also embracing the off season. And the off season is really our chance to improve our skills and and also rebuild ourselves like kind of get our life together too. It seems like we put on everything on hold for elk season and um now is kind of the time to catch up on on uh, the to-do list uh to get our bodies in better shape to get our shooting dialed in like now is the time to improve and, and i always list i like listening to you talk like when you talk elk hunting is you talk about a lot of the intangibles like not only do you preach good fitness and not only do you preach good shooting but you also talk like having your family life right like how important is that to you come elk season well i i'll tell you what man i i, I don't hunt my best uh unless everything's kind of dialed at home and i don't want to sound like i have it figured out like i've cracked the code and i'm here to give advice on if anything i'm here to give advice on what not to do things that i've done but uh yeah family first and you know i've had hunts ruined where things just weren't dialed at home you know um one year, my wife had an accident with a, a skill saw. She's very handy like you, and um, she tried to cut all her fingers off. And I has I was sitting on a what I consider possibly a once-in-a-lifetime Nevada bull elk tag archery, and I'm four days in, and she's like, um, we got kids in diapers, and I can't change diapers, and I almost lost my fingers, and, you know, that that kind of stuff. Like, I can't control that stuff, but, like, I had to go home. You know what I mean, Brian? Like family is more important than this tag I drew. So uh, to me, family is like what puts things in perspective. And I think we all lose perspective. We get caught up in hunting and being successful and maybe our ego, but family is what keeps us grounded. And so we owe it to them to make sure everything's dialed before we head off and not that many people probably hunt as much as I do in September. And if they do, they should know they're very lucky and that there's a cost. And the cost is you're missing out on time with your family, your kids or whatever. And so I think you can mitigate that. And I try to do that year round and be mindful. Like right now I'm trying to plan trips with the family, the upcoming spring and fall um, summer so that there's things on the calendar and it's not just all about me. So, and I'm very selfish that way in that I could easily succumb to planning everything around hunting. And uh, I'm not admitting that in a way like for you guys to think um, negative of me, but I am trying to be honest. Like I'm pretty selfish about hunting and I could let it get in the way of my family. So I got to check myself. So I hope that makes sense. It does make sense. It um, family is absolutely number one, and and like um, us guys with so much passion in us, like like we love to hunt and we love to go and challenge ourselves. But to do that, you've got to have support from your family, and so like like your wife's got to be on board with your plan and know how crazy nuts we are about elk and about elk season, about September, about October, 
And so it seems like uh, I'm trying to make up for it the rest of the year the same you are. Like I'm I'm really trying to get that family time in. And it's not just family time in. It's like engaged with my family. It's engaged with my wife, engaged with my daughters. And, and, and to be so committed to elk season, I'm getting my runs in every single day. I'm shooting my bow every single day. If I don't have enough energy to go up and do the dishes or help chip in around the house, like I, I, I'm not going to be much good, like to my wife or to my family. So, like, like, uh, I think the biggest deal is like getting your family on board, like having them support you. But that means in turn that you have to support them. So the rest of the year, like you're talking about, you have to make up for it. Like I'm, I'm just getting back from a a family trip where we went, you know, to the Bahamas and and um. You know, the Bahamas isn't my pick for a vacation. Like, I want to be somewhere in the mountains chasing mule deer or elk, but my family loves the beaches, and they love the ocean. And so, you know, we went and did a trip, and we go have fun, and I'm engaged in the whole trip, laughing and joking with them. But putting in this family time, like like being – it doesn't do me any good just to be a great elk hunter. I also have to be a great family man. Oh, yeah, and I like that. You know, the truth is, like, I went to Mexico with the family in 21. No, it wasn't my first choice. Like, uh, I would rather go to Hawaii and then sneak in some bow hunting. Like, that's, I mean, I know you'll understand that and appreciate that. But, man, when I was there, you got to turn it on. you got to be engaged. And you got to be able to, um, I don't know, fill their cups up. And hunting is a very selfish pursuit when you boil it down. And so... There's ebbs and flows and talking about that stuff, man, I'm just trying to, I just try to keep it super real. And, and, um, I get a lot of messages and people probably think it, it's, it must be nice to, to be in the hunting industry. And it, you'll probably agree. It is pretty nice, but it doesn't come without sacrifice and you have to know your priorities. And you probably remember elk hunting's not my number one priority in my life. It's not even close. So don't forget that. <laughs> Yep, family, faith, and then hunting. Hunting is third, is that right? No, I I think, you know, faith obviously first, but then family, and then I think wellness or fitness should be more important than hunting. Um, and then I would probably put elk hunting in fourth, and I would put career number five. I would put career below elk hunting because I told people, <laughs> and I've said it all the time, I've quit jobs for hunting. I, I, uh, if hunting industry and, you know, the, the stuff with Matt Ranella, he kind of, I don't want to get on that too much, but, you know, there's a lot of, like, dialogue going on right now about how, like, maybe influencers aren't good for hunting. If all that went away, Brian, I would still be elk hunting as many states as possible a year because I love it. And I put it, I put it as that high a priority in my life, and I always have. I've always chose elk hunting over career. Not the best advice for the young guys listening. Please get your <laughs> career dialed. And get your college and whatever, or your trade, or get your business savvy, get your business coaching, whatever you need, get yourself set up. I I didn't do it that way. I chose hunting over anything, and um, I don't have any regrets. But um, understanding your priorities, back to kind of circling back to what we're talking about, yeah, like elk hunting is not, that's the takeaway, is not my number one priority. I think about it a lot. Um, I plan my life around it quite a bit, but it's not my guiding principle. 
Yeah, but the deal is, is it's like how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? And so bow hunting, like having this passion and this love for it and something that absolutely drives us, like it it drives me. Day in, day out, it drives me to be a better person. And and, and when you want to be good at elk hunting, it, it seems like, um, you know, uh, because of that and the lessons that I learn, the trials and tribulations that I go through and the hardships that I go through, that it makes me a better person day in, day out. I'm energized, you know, to go live life. Well, through that, through those lessons it's taught me, it makes me very good at business. It makes me good at following through with what I say I'm going to do. It makes mm-hmm. me good at, 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 at handling challenges and handling hurdles. It, it makes me better at being a family man because I, I want to be there. I want to be engaged. I've got this goal come hunting season that I want to be in the woods. So, like, I can make the argument that, you know, maybe your career wasn't before elk hunting, but I think elk hunting has shaped you in a way where it's made you good at your career. Yeah, man, I can't argue. I mean, there's an elk filter on everything I do. I run through an elk filter. And uh, it's kind of what I've always said is that you're blessed to be an elk hunter if you're, like, truly passionate about it. And you, it, obviously you are, Brian. It is the most um, – it's a gift from God. Like, it, it is the most leverageable thing out there, and it can help you do all the hard stuff that uh, maybe isn't as sexy, but uh, it helps you go chase that highest hanging fruit because you know, you know, there's a payoff. There's going to be time in the woods chasing bugles. And to me, I just can't get enough of that. So, yeah, you, you got an elk filter. You run your life through it. And you're going to make some good discipline decisions, and you're going to live your best life. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, it just um, – it drives you. And, and to be – like to be consistently successful in today's day and age is so difficult that it takes such dedication that it requires this thinking about it all the time. It requires this passion. You you have to want it with every fiber in your being. And, and you're going to have to do a lot of things that you don't want to do, uh, including today. It's below zero and a foot of snow out there, and I will get my run in. Like that discipline day in, day out, it, it teaches you these lessons. And then when it comes to hunting season, I mean, that's where your grit really shines through. Like to, to, to hunt elk and, and to be successful hunting elk, you're going to have to do a lot of things you don't want to do and you're you're going to go into a lot of places that don't have elk you're going to get close calls you're going to blow it you're going to have to pick yourself up um pick yourself up from the from the the shambles that that elk season will leave you in and and get up and go get more like that um that that mental fortitude is, is so imperative to being consistently successful but the only way to get it is to be disciplined and to work hard all year long towards your goals. It it seems that way to me anyways. Does it seem that way to you? Yeah, man. I don't know what I would do really without that elk hunting thing, especially in the winter. I'd be just kind of like, if I wasn't skiing or snowmobiling, which a lot of people don't, uh, what is your purpose? What is your drive? What is your fire? Why do you want to do hard things like go on a trail run in the dark and breathe 20 degree air. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how people do. I, I feel sorry for people that don't know about this thing called elk hunting and what it can do for you and drive you to chase the best version of yourself. Um, and I want to do it like as long as I'm on this planet. And I don't know how long that's going to be, but man, there's guys like Larry D Jones who just turned 80 years old. 
who they're still out there elk hunting. And I tell you that I want to be like those guys. Like I want to elk hunt so deep into life. Like that drives me to make decisions that are for the long term and the trajectory, you know, not to go on a tangent, but I guess I will. I haven't seen a lot of this lately, but I used to get a lot of feedback. Like you don't have to be in shape to kill an elk. I don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I agree. You don't, you, you probably won't enjoy your hunt as much, uh, being out of shape, like physically you, you might not enjoy it, but you can still get it done. But that's so short-sighted. I'm not looking for just 2022. I'm looking for 2052. I want to be in the woods then with my son and maybe his son and sharing what I've learned and still learning. Cause that's the beautiful thing about elk hunting is you never know it all. And, uh, I'm on a pathway, a trajectory to do this until I'm dead. Man, I love that, Dan. Um, it's so true. Like uh, uh, to be able to do it as we get older, and I think, like, if you work hard, like the the body adapts to the stress at which you put on it, man. And I, I see some some older guys that absolutely crush it, and that goes for construction. That goes for hunting. That that goes for all of the above. You know, so like um. I think, um, like you take a, a professional athlete, like a professional NFL player, a professional basketball player, their prime is in their early 30s. I really think an elk hunter's prime, like, like I think it's yet to come because you do, you keep learning, you keep gaining knowledge, you keep getting smarter at your approach. Um, and, and if you keep working at it, you keep getting stronger. Like, um, you know, I, I feel stronger today right now at 41 than, than I did at 35, than I did at 30 because I've got a, a, a better work ethic. I, I know what it takes. I, it seems like uh, each year I'm able to up the ante at, at what I put into elk hunting, and in turn I get I get more back from it. You know, so I, I think the prime is still to come, and I think elk hunting or hunting in general is one of those things that we can do for years to come. Yeah, how cool is that to think like that mindset that flip the script like there like once your thirties go by most activities and hobbies are like downhill and, and we're like, no, it's just, we're in the thick of it and we're still evolving and learning. And, and, uh, yeah, like I haven't felt I'm 40. I haven't felt limited in the mountains yet. And, um, you know, I still feel like there's more, there's more room to improve in so many different ways. And, uh, I mean, it's like almost overwhelming. Like I, there's, I could literally be e-scouting right now. I could literally be working out right now. I could be getting an archery lesson right now. I could be like, I could be working on my elk vocalizations. I could be reading books about elk behavior and biology right now. Like it's just like a little bit every day goes a long ways. And, um, I agree. I'm looking back at 2021 and I'm like, Hmm, there's more, there's more room on the table for me to work harder. So let's do it in 22. And, and I love that, man. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. 1% better every day is 37 times better by the end of the year. You know, that's wild. So if you can work to improve yourself day in, day out. And, and I love that you mentioned like all these different facets, like to be a successful Western hunter, like um, it, it's not just being in great shape. It's not just being able to shoot your bow. Like there's all these facets to it. And so you have to dive deep down the rabbit hole at each one of these things. And so there's like so many of these skills.
skill sets that you have to work hard to improve. So that's, you know, your e-scouting, uh, uh, looking at tags and units, breaking down units, making a game plan for it. Uh, you know, there, there's scouting involved. There's your shooting, you know, and, and shooting's one of those things that, uh, you know, learning about your bow and the tuning and going down that rabbit hole of getting your bow to perform the best for you, but also like uh, uh, working on your own skills to improve your own skills. And, and then, you know, the the mental edge is, is like if I was to attribute one skill to being consistently successful, like having that mental edge and that that mental edge, you know, you, you can take that multiple different ways. The mental edge is to to, to push, but it's it's also that mental edge is to be able to be clutch, to be able to get a chance at a stock and 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 close a deal and and to close on a stock. I mean that comes down to your instincts and stocking skills. There's just there's so many different skills that we as Western hunters have to work on and improve, and, and that in turn is what makes us really good elk hunters in the end. Is is taking each one of these and trying to be as good as we can at them. Yeah. I'm- sky's the limit really there there is no ceiling to think if you think about it like no one's ever really stepped out and said man i am as good as i'm ever going to be at archery I, I don't need to practice anymore although sometimes i think you might think that i've seen you shoot um at lampers uh summits against all these guys and man you're pretty clutch but I know you're still putting the work in and you're never satisfied. And I want to be like that, man. Like, I just want to keep getting better. And, um, you know, it all does kind of boil down to executing a really good shot. And I'm looking back at 21 and there's at least one shot I'd like to take back for sure. Or at least, you know, go back in time and get another go at it, but you just don't, man. Bow hunting's not perfect. So, you're pretty much striving for perfection in an imperfect, in, uh, imperfect pursuit discipline called archery. And that in itself is a dichotomy that you have to kind of wrap your mind around and be willing to keep working hard, even though you're never going to master it. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, I, I love what you said, like there's no ceiling. Um, there's no limit to how good we can get. There is no ceiling. You can keep improving at all these skills. And yeah, it's, um, you know, that, that I, um, you're so spot on. Like um, uh, it, it seems no matter how good a shot I get or how clutch I think I am, I am yet to have a perfect season where every single arrow I lose goes exactly to the right spots. Now, I've had some good seasons, and I've had a lot of success, but I, too, I have an arrow or two that I want back from last season. That You just can't have it back. It's like these moments in time, and it's so easy to like sit and talk about it, but to actually execute those perfect shots on animals, the, these animals of our dreams that we've worked all year for to get this encounter, and you're in like this fog of adrenaline, and the pin never aims like it does on the target, you know, like you you have this rush, you're in this fog of adrenaline, and you have to get a hold of yourself and execute that good arrow. And I mean, I I could talk about my misses, and I don't think they were uh, uh, misses due to my execution, you know, the the pin didn't settle right or maybe i was held for a long time or you know i not that i have a bunch of excuses but i have a bunch of reasons or i know why i missed so i can work on it in the future but it is we're we're chasing perfection in an imperfect world or an imperfect uh endeavor you know that it's just it is so 
difficult. Like it's the most challenging thing out there. And I think that's what draws me in. And I think that's what draws you in as well is it is this, this ongoing challenge where you never quite get to where you want to go. Like you, you, you get a good skill set and you find consistent success, but still looking for more and improvement. And, and just like you stated at the beginning of our conversation, every year is a blank slate and me going out to a new unit Nobody knows I'm Brian Barney. Nobody knows that I've killed a good six point the year before, the year before that. Like you have to start from scratch and prove it all over again. You you got to uh, work on those skills, stay disciplined at your craft, and you got to go do it again. And the the you know you know what's even tougher than uh, climbing the top of the mountain or accomplishing your goals is doing it again. Like uh, that's one of the toughest challenges out there. And so that's what keeps me keeps me up at night, keeps me what what working hard. And I. I think you're the same way. Yeah, I like that analogy because we are kind of you're back at the bottom of the mountain. Here we are, January, and it's it's a long ways from September, that's for sure. And man, does elk season come and go fast? It always does. And uh, what can you do to get a little higher up on the mountain and and be, hopefully be at the top by the time September rolls around? Um, and if you're not at the top, you know you may get lucky or pull a miracle off and, and get your bull. Um, but I'm here to tell you, you won't do that year in and year out consistently. Um, and I think that's what people really want. Um, I noticed the folks that, that come to elk shape camps that have had some success, they haven't had consistent success and that's why they're there. They're looking to figure out how can I do this year in and year out and consistently have elk on the menu and uh, I I'm with them. And, and, I'm certainly not like an expert at all things elk hunting. There's so much for me to fix, but I am an expert on trying so hard that someone might think I'm not having fun. I'm trying so hard, but I promise (laughs) I am. (laughs) I really am enjoying it. I just love the fact that it's so hard and I love that I can control my effort. And so I give it everything, like absolutely everything, every hunt. Um, and I learned a long time ago um, to, to give everything you got, because if you don't, it's a long off season of regret and looking back and going, man, I wish I would have. And uh, that actually stings more than anything, having regret of I wish I would have dropped that canyon with 45 minutes of daylight left instead of talking myself out of it and saying, I don't have enough time to get down there. And I don't really want to hike all the way back out for an hour and a half in the dark. So, you know, I've done that, especially early on. Uh, there was, there's, I have squandered opportunities in my earlier days, and now I just won't do it. I can promise you this 2021, I have literally, I squandered no, no seconds. Everything, uh, I don't even know if I ever did really take much of a nap ever on the mountain. I was just always grinding. Um, and that's the thing. People are listening to try to get like this nugget or this secret like formula or this just one tip. Here it is. You cannot take your foot off the gas pedal. You just have to keep grinding and know that it all could change in 10 seconds. And uh, that's why we live for it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned those elk shaped camps, man. It's great for like giving those guys that, that roadmap to success. And it there is no shortcut or no easy way. And you're right, foot on the gas pedal. That's what your season has to consist of. And like, um, 
you know, one of my biggest failures and my biggest regrets from this season was a Colorado high country mule deer hunt that I was all primed to hunt. And I found, um, the buck I wanted, um, uh, the buck of all bucks, like this great, big, typical, great fronts, great backs, old deer, heavy, the one I wanted, he was living at, at 13,000 feet. And, um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm an aggressive hunter and I want to give myself a chance at success, success anytime I have that chance. But on this buck, I'm the only one back in there and I've got this buck located. And so I want to play my cards, right? So your best chance to kill a buck or a bull is your first stock or your first approach. And, um, so I hunted this buck for five days, and there was times where I laid within 200 yards of this buck, hoping he'd feed in my direction. And when he didn't, I'd back out, and I'd keep my wind right, and I'd find him the next day. And I hunted this buck, and I was really disciplined. And um, I finally got my chance. I had to climb all the way around and over top the mountain. He's in this super steep terrain, and I get myself set up where he's going to exit his bed. And um, he's with uh, uh, two other bucks and a doe, so there's four of them total. Well, the two other bucks and the doe come out. And um, they feed down below me 30, 40 yards. The one's a really nice mature four-point, uh, but I've got my sights on that bigger one, and I could have shot any one of those. That four-point actually bedded down below me at about 35 yards. And um, I'm sitting on a rock, and I'm I'm trying to film this whole deal, so I've got my tripod and my camera, and I've got my bow sitting there. And finally, the buck that I want comes out, and he walks right into bow range, but... I'm like, I know what I can get away with and what I can't nowadays in bow range. And so anytime these deer are looking at me, I'm not going to try to draw my bow. I'm waiting for that perfect moment when I can bend back the strings. And so uh, the buck that I want is in bow range of me for maybe 10 minutes of feeding around. He finally gets to a point where I get a shot and I'm a little bit twisted up. And my sight set at 50 because I had him at 50 at one point, and I couldn't reach up and change it just because I've got all these eyes on me. So I leave my sight set at 50, and I've got a, a pin that sits 10 yards above that. Like uh, So that's my 40 pin. And um, so I finally ease back my limbs and kind of get twisted around from this sitting position, and um, I put a shot high that skinned over the top of his back. I don't know if it's because my pin was shaking. I don't know if it's the, the math I did in my head, but the, I just flat out missed. I missed him. I shot, I skinned his back. Uh, he worked out of there. I, I found him the next day. He had It was just like um, uh, uh, no damage, just a cut, and it was on the back side of his back where my broadhead had slid. So you know, it, it wasn't like I wounded him or anything like that, but I really wanted to try to kill him. And after that next day, he disappeared in the thick timber, and I never saw him again now my regret doesn't come from the shot or how i played that buck my regret comes from the next move i made the next move i made uh was looking for that buck i looked for him for another day couldn't turn him up and from there i had been in country seven days or so eight days and um i i'd looked around at a lot of different country and i called it quits um that's not how you find success. Like uh, 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 bow hunters, we are going to fail. We got to be good at picking ourselves up from that and keep driving and keep pushing forward. And I can't tell you how many years I've missed a bull where I keep pushing and I end up arrowing a good bull in the end. And in this instance, in the Colorado high country, I still had a couple more days I could have gave. And, and I threw in the towel. You know, I got to my next hunt. I just, I lived in my own sorrow. I went back to my past where it was like, well, that's the buck I want. And I hunted him for seven days and I didn't kill him. I'm good with my effort. And I packed out of there and I called it quits. 
And I just know in my heart sitting right here that if I would have given it two more days of absolutely all my effort, that I would have found another buck and I would have killed a buck and I would have filled that Colorado, Colorado tag. But that's my biggest regret from this past season. That's the one that I ate. Um, but able to pick myself up and finish out my season and harvest a lot of nice animals. And like that was the one tag I ate last year. And that one was on me. Well, man, I feel you. Yeah, the, the one tag I ate would be the this New Mexico hunt I did on. And um, I've already talked about it on podcast and it's a YouTube video series. But the, the short version is day nine of a nine-day hunt, last day of the actual legal season, last three hours of life, I finally got like an actual elk encounter. It was a pretty tough hunt. It was a tough unit. And, um, man, I, I made some really good moves looking back, like, almost to perfection to get in with bow range. And then I can't believe it, but I, I shot this bull for 55 yards. Cause I ranged his, he had one cow right in front of him and she came through this trail and I knew he was going to come on the, on her butt. Well, at least that's what I thought. And so I, I thought, I just remember thinking to myself, okay, I know the range of the cow. He's going to go on the same trail. I'll cow call, stop him dialed 55 let her eat and uh everything went really well including shot execution um pretty darn good clean break went through my shot process and then i heard that sound where an arrow is not going through the ribs of a bull it's going through brush and trees and skipping way past him dude uh the bull did not go exactly where the cow did he was actually about five yards past where she was so I had time to range him and I didn't. And that's like one of my own cardinal rules. Like I've been bow hunting for 20 years. Like I know that I don't shoot unless I range. I'm just, I've done this enough to know I rely on a range finder. Uh, and I literally shot under this bull and I'd worked nine days for one shot opportunity. And I had the time and I didn't even, you know, so do I have any regrets about that? No, but man, does that just again, like, it's only a mistake if you do it twice. Well, I've done that before, so that was a mistake, and I made a mistake, and I can't take it back, but, man, it can sure um, make me be hyper-conscious going into 2022 to make sure I take the extra time to get that range. Even if it means losing a shot opportunity, it's almost a wash, really. Rarely do you, well, I don't have time to range. I'm going to guess, well, you do that enough times, you're either going to wound animals or you're going to miss. And then once you miss they might head into the timber like your buck did and then they're tough to find again. You know, that, that first encounter is your best encounter. Take the time, get the range, dial it up, follow your shot process. So, um, yeah, man, I'm always learning. That's for sure. Hmm. Gosh, the, the elk woods will continue, continually teach us, you know, won't they? It's, um, man, what a heartbreaker day nine to grinding out the entire hunt, get the chance of the bull you want. And, I mean, to be honest, I've made that mistake as well. Like, um, I, I'm the same way. If I don't know the exact yardage, I don't shoot because um, uh, I, I usually end up missing. Like, I, I have to know the range. Oh, man, what a heartbreaker. And and you thought you had a range from the cow. You know, it's just, again, it's that, 
you know, there's a hundred right decisions that you have to make when you're in close to be able to put that perfect arrow in the bowl. And if you mess up one of those decisions, uh, you're in for some heartbreak. But uh, failure's a prerequisite in bow hunting. Like, I wouldn't be the bow hunter I am unless I failed so much. And the reason why I'm good at bow hunting is because I've failed more than most guys out there. I've made every mistake every way from Sunday, and I'm sure you have too. And it's learning from these that, that make us better. Just like learning from yours and saying, you know, never again. I will never make this mistake again. It's in the forefront of your mind. You learn from it. And um, I, I think those those failures and that heartbreak are, are what uh, really cement that lesson inside your head and really cement it into your instincts to where, you know, you you don't really have to think about it anymore. Like that's going to come naturally. You just don't shoot unless you have a range. But Man, it's all part of it. Failure is a prerequisite, and you you better get good at accepting it. And whether that's a missed shot or a missed stock, or you know, just like you, like you said, that New Mexico was a tough hunt. It's taking chances in these units to be uh, an elk hunter across the West. You're looking for opportunities in each of these states, and and sometimes you know you you go all in on a unit and it doesn't pan out. It isn't that great at hunting, but you're there and you have the days and you grind it out, you know, and you try to get an opportunity. But man, I think failure's a, a prerequisite to success for sure. Yeah. And then it probably helps like people listening, you know, okay, here's two dudes in their forties talking about bow hunting failure. Um, okay. So, so now what, well, it's really what you do after you fail. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've made these mistakes, but because you know, you persevere and maybe you have a little <clears throat> come to Jesus meeting with yourself on the mountain. Um, and you just got to remind yourself, I am signed up for a bow hunting roller coaster ride. And, and this ride's got way more downs than ups. And the downs are where you're going to get tested and you got to pick yourself up and you can't go home or go to town and get a burger. And maybe you do, but you, if if you can skip all that and stay in there and stay in the grind, man, that lack of time that you, you don't squander and you put it towards the grind, it's going to pay off. And uh, that's just what I've learned about bow hunting is just you just stay out there and you stay grinding and you try to pick yourself up. And then um, you kind of get your chin gets really stiff. You get you get punched on the chin quite a bit. So hopefully you can kind of learn to take those punches and um not let them fade you for at least for too long, even misses or, um, you know, all sorts of things that can, can go wrong. Cause everything that can go wrong will go wrong. That is bow honey. Yeah, absolutely. Get your head back in the game and get back after your goal. Like, uh, redemption is a powerful tool. Like I am a dangerous man when I've got redemption on my mind. And, and just like that buck I missed in Colorado, you know, and I, I did. I uh, a seven day hunt, and um, you know, I I ended it there when I could have extended it a couple days, but that ate at me, and um, that one really hurt. You know, it's like uh, you think you got the skill sets. You, I've been waiting all year for this hunt, find the buck I want, and missed him. Like it it um, it hurt to my core. I'm not gonna lie, and it it took a while to get over, but. There too, you have to get over it and um, get back on the horse and get hunting. And redemption is a powerful tool. Looking for that shot again to make it happen. And you know, it was after that that I I went on a great run and killed a a, a, a great big Montana six point. I killed um, uh, a couple great mule deer, a couple great late season mule deer. 
Um, you know, so it it was that redemption and that failure that that made me better this season and and maybe turned my season around or kept me on the right path. But yeah, the the quicker you can get your mind back at it, the quicker you learn from your failures, but try not to let it haunt you. And it's tough when it means so much to you. Uh, but try not to let it haunt you. You know, you um you know you talked about earlier like uh uh um you you embrace. Uh, the entire process and that entire process is embracing season. It's embracing off season. It's also embracing the time you have in the woods. And so like that trip to Colorado, even though I had a miss, like that was a seven day vacation for me in the high country of Colorado above 13,000 feet chasing giant bucks. Like if I just uh, watch that, if I can take a step back and go, Brian, you're living your best life. You had days off work. You went and chased them. You pushed so hard and did so many miles and so much elevation lived out of your backpack, which is the purest form of hunting. Like, like, you know, that that's living life. You were doing it and, and getting that perspective of like, man, it's not all bad. My family's healthy. I'm healthy. I lived to hunt another day. So I missed a buck. I've killed a bunch of good bucks. You know, I'll kill a bunch more. Like get back after it. Enjoy what you love to do. But embrace that process. Like try not to let those failures uh, absolutely haunt you or ruin your entire season. There's still a lot of season left after a miss. Usually uh, not in your case in New Mexico. You had to eat that one. Yeah. And it was good, man. I, I like it. I, I don't have elk hunting figured out. And uh, I I always assume people understand that. But um, maybe some people think um, just because you've done well in the past that you haven't figured out, you don't. Um, and it just shines lights on where I have holes in my game. And I'm just like, all right, let's put together the new blueprint for 2022 Let's tackle the weaknesses. Let's not spend a lot of time working on stuff we're already good at. Let's find, you know, find a weakness, make it a strength, and and go from there. And and the cool thing is, like, I think, you know, with bow hunting, it's like, man, you can really choose your own adventure. You can choose to hunt, like you said, the purest out of your backpack, which is a completely different different mindset. And then you can take that to another level, and you can do it solo, which is another level of mental preparedness. But um, it could be even just, you know, hunting from your truck or it could be hunting from a tree stand. There's there's ways to elevate your game. Maybe maybe you're a whitetail hunter and, man, you didn't do all day sits. You said you were going to, but, you know, you got bored, uh, you got cold, you got tired, um, a hot, warm lunch sounded good. Um, well, what if you'd sat in the seat all day for your entire rut vacation? I think they call it rutcation out, out in the Midwest, but you know, I don't care what kind of bowhunting you do. There's ways to elevate and there's ways to step up your game. Um, and I would argue, and I don't, I don't think there is a way to argue around this. Like bow hunting is mental game. Like that is a mental game and you need to be looking right now in 2022. How can I make myself mentally strong? How can I get stronger between the ears? What can I do? to elevate my mindset and, and to stretch myself. Where can I find areas in my life to seek out being uncomfortable, knowing that there's a dividend and that I will gain it between the ears and that it will pay off bottom of the ninth chips down where that mental prowess will come through because that will separate you from the rest of the pack. And I'm here to tell you, Brian, the pack is growing. Um, the, I don't dis- disagree with a lot of the sentiment that they're, the honey, not West is cool. And it's, cr- and then it's, you know, I wouldn't say crowded. I just say it's uh, it's more competitive. What's your edge? 
it's certainly not um, it's not going to be an edge if you if you're not working right now as hard as Brian Barney. Uh, it's going to be at a disadvantage. So you got to like align yourself with people, find yourself a Brian Barney, find you somebody who's as passionate, and let iron sharpen iron and push each other between the ears. Um, I just think bow hunting's mental. So spot on. Like that's the stuff that gets me pumped, Dan. You get me like um, uh, you have me buzzing right now because that is the secret to it, you know. And there's still great hunting out there, uh, even with more people being out in the woods, even with a bunch of really good hunters in a crowded field. There's there's uh, still separation. There's still there there's still a place to go find your own experience and go challenge yourself, you know. And and that is the key is like getting out of your comfort zone, pushing yourself right now, sharpening your mental edge and and uh, uh you're either sacrificing right now and you're sacrificing being in a warm comfy house or you're sacrificing going on a long run or you're sacrificing uh doing a crossfit workouts is one of my goals for this year like you're sacrificing doing that or you're going to be sacrificing during elk season and not killing your bull you know it's it's one or the other you know and you got to figure out which one it is for you so you're right like surround yourself with good people challenge yourself mentally like work on all those different skill sets because um i'm here to tell you like we're in the we're in the good old days like i hear people talk about the good old days uh hunting mule deer in the 60s and 70s i think we're in the information good old days right now like there are still great spots to go hunt there's still places that are undiscovered to, st to go hunt there's still that epic elk hunting and and hunting elk is a moving target too they're so nomadic the way they move through the mountains and, and so you've got to try to dial it in and figure out like where they're at in their pattern or where they're at in that mountains and there's still that that epic elk action with nobody around this uh, same elk hunting that i found this year where you got multiple bulls and they're bugling their heads off and you're the only one in there you versus the elk you know there's uh that created across the west everywhere and so like you have to be honest with yourself and it'd be easy for you to get on here and tell me about all your successes for last season but instead you chose to tell me about new mexico and a failure that you had and how you're going to improve from that same with me i could let my ego cover it up and tell you how hard i hunted and not even mention that call Colorado failure or downfall I had and giving up early. Like I haven't mentioned that on any podcast or haven't mentioned it really to anybody but myself. It's like been eating at me, but I know that's the truth. I can be honest with myself and see where I can make these improvements. And um, just like everybody else out there, uh, a lot of my improvements are between my ears. So like, what are some of the things that Dan Staten is working on this year to make yourself a better elk hunter? What are some of the things you're focused on? Yeah, man. Well, the first thing I did uh, recently was I went and got my measurements done. Now, I'm not – I'm notoriously, like, not a guy who, like, follows nutrition, like, measures food, weighs food, and does prescription on macronutrients and, like, geeks. Like, I've done that a lot in my life. I just kind of haven't done it in uh, quite a while. But it had been – a couple of years since I'd actually had like an, like some biometrics. So I went and got like an in-body scan and I got my buddies to do it with me. Um, and we went in, got measured recently. And, um, actually I made a YouTube video about it. It's called like the off season step one. And for the thumbnail, I put a bunch of like cool archery pictures just to trick people into watching a video. And it had nothing to do with bows. It was us literally getting our body fat tested and our weight and figuring out our lean body mass and our fat mass. And, uh, you know, that was huge for me just to kind of like 
realize like I do lose a lot, a lot of muscle in the fall. Like, and I know that, but I actually know how much I lost this year. And, and so the first step was like, okay, I know what I kind of need to get back to and, and I know what I need to do to get back there. And now I at least have these biometrics where I can come back and, and, and check in and like, probably 12 weeks. It's nothing that I'm going to check weekly. I'm not a guy that like tells you to step on the scale every day. Like that's not me. I don't believe in that, but I think, you know, what, whatever your goal is, you should check in with it and kind of have your big goal and, and work towards it with your small steps. So that was like the first thing was like this year, I'm going to check in on my biometrics. And, and for me, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm simply just, I don't eat enough. And I've kind of fallen into this routine. Um, I eat pretty much the same thing every day, cup and a half of oatmeal, three, you know, three egg whites and an egg for breakfast, uh, some sort of like spinach, blueberry protein, peanut butter smoothie, middle of the day. I go work out in the afternoon for about 90 minutes, do a post-workout shake, and then I have dinner, which is usually elk and veggies and some sort of starch, whether it be yams or rice. Uh, and then in the evenings, and this is funny, I don't know if people know this about me, but I usually have a bowl of brand cereal every night. And I think that's funny because I think no one would ever guess that. But it's not like I'm having <laughs> Captain Crunch, but I, I do. I like myself an old person's bowl of brand cereal in the evening. When I add it all up, man, I'm, I'm barely striking 2,000 calories. And my basal metabolic rate based on this scan was 2,400 calories. Like I need to hit 2,400 calories to be – uh, at a surplus. It's like, I'm trying to build muscle back. Like you building a house, Brian, and I don't bring you all the timbers that you need to frame. Like I'm just not providing enough material to, to build. And so I need to eat more. I know it sounds weird. Most people need to eat less. I'm weird. I have a fast metabolism, a uh, pretty regular, I train six days a week. And so I'm going to try to eat a little bit more. And it's actually, it's hard to eat more when you eat clean, believe it or not. So First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to step up my nutrition and start tracking my macronutrients a little bit more, start, you know, just paying a little more attention to eating more frequently. Um, I'm going to add one more meal um, before a training session. Um, I'm going to bump up a little bit more ounces of elk meat in the evening um, and just try to get back to a little bit better weight for me. I don't need to weigh 140-something. Um, I usually weigh between 160 and 170. I'm five foot nothing. I'm five, six and three quarters. And uh, so I'm going to start there. On the archery side of things, um, I go right to archery. I don't go to like um, e-scouting or, or calling, which I could definitely improve on all those. But I'm not much of an elk caller. I'm very much like you. The majority of the elk I've killed has been without vocalizing. Um, doesn't mean you still don't carry – and I still carry elk calls like diaphragm reads – um, but the archery for me is something that I'm, I'm always tinkering, trying to find the best setup, um, you know, and with the Matthews this year, like they, they kind of changed the way their bows, they changed a lot about their bows in a way that like I've had to keep tinkering and figure out exactly what's going to be the sweet spot. So I'm constantly open to changing arrows, fletchings, front of center, tinkering. But when it comes to like actual archery, like, I have an archery coach and I work with him on my stance, on my breathing, on like, I just find a lot of value in having somebody besides myself critiquing. And I'm just trying to learn how to be a freaking Brian Barney robot behind a bow. I just want to be a robot. I want to do everything automatically, like literally 
the exact same way every stinking time. And uh, it's hard to do that when you got a bull screaming in front of you 30 yards broadside, you know. Um, no matter how many times you've been there, it's still an adrenaline dump, like you said, that fog. So I find value in, in working with Archery Coach. I work with one, and um, I'm going to continue to do that. And, I, and I'm going to continue to stretch and, and travel to total archery challenges or local 3D shoots and do as many of those as I can. Um, specifically ones in mountains, I don't really like flat 3D courses. Like I can mop those up really well, but if they're like, you know, I like the uphill, the steeps, like the course at Lampers is a summit, man. That was, that was a thing of beauty. Uh, that thing was, well, you could tell the listeners about it, but it's just like, that was the real deal. I loved that. It was a real challenge shooting with a uh, pack weight on. Um, like most yes. of these 3Ds, you can go through light, but Lampers had us, and it wasn't that heavy of a sandbag. I can't remember what it was, 30, 40 pounds, 30 pounds maybe? It was 30, yeah, 30 pound sandbag. 30 pound sandbag, but then with your pack weight, it just made such a difference in my shooting and in my hold. And then, yeah, Lampers uh, set up just a dynamite challenging course, and they weren't all long bombs or anything. They were just a, a lot of uphill, a lot of downhill, uh, a lot of twigs, having that pack weight on. Yeah, I re I really found that it challenged me as well. Yeah, the the bull I shot in Idaho this year, I said on video, I said that was a total archery challenge shot. I mean, it wasn't like a long bomb total archery challenge. It was like the kind of total archery challenge shots where they they throw that target in a bunch of downfall, and you got a lane, and that those hallway shots can be really tricky, and you really got to focus on what you're trying to hit and. Um, you got to execute. And, uh, I don't know, man, I just find that those bolster my confidence. And so I love shooting spots and dots and, and Vegas. And I do find value in all that, but I do the most, the most value I have is wearing a backpack with weight with my boots, my vinyl harness and getting sweaty and doing a hilly, hilly or mountainous 3d course, getting the miles on your feet and elevation change in the mountain air with the thermals, the different lighting, the shade, the drafts. I I can't get enough of that, and I just want to inject more of that into my formula this year. Dude, it's so smart. It's so fun to, to listen to you talk about uh, leveling up like uh, each part of your game, just um, taking it to a different level, which will pay off during season. You know, that's um, – uh, that's that's what it's all about. And hiring an archery coach, I mean, it's like you're a great shot with a bow and you've been bow hunting your entire life, but you see value in getting an archery coach to really help you take your shooting to another level. Um, man, I, I just, um, I, I love every bit of that. And I know like throughout the year, you'll also be getting in your workouts because you're just nonstop. You're an animal in the gym, you know, and you, you're really disciplined as well. You're always getting them in. Um, it's why I love your stuff. I, I love your YouTube, uh, podcast, the elk shake camps, I think are awesome for guys giving them the skill set. And this is like a long journey. Like this isn't something that, that you do overnight. Like you say, you're 40, I'm 41. We have been living this elk hunting lifestyle for 20 years. We're in a different place in our journey. You know, we've been putting in the, the work year in, year out. And I, 
I, you know, comparison is the thief of happiness, and it's important not to compare yourself to everybody's highlight reel on on Instagram. To set your own goals, to kill a, a legal elk or a cow or a bull, or to kill a branch antler bull, you have to work your way up the trophy rungs of the ladder. And, and it isn't just putting in that work for one day or one week or one month or even one year for that matter. Like it has to become a lifestyle. It has to be something that you want. You have a burning desire. You found your passion. Now you're willing to. Put in the work and do whatever it takes to get to your end goal. And the end goal is arrow in a bowl. And then um, after you do that, it's to do it over again. Can't get enough of it. That's for sure. <laughs> Dude, can't get enough of it. Um, well, that's just amazing, man. Um, I I always love hanging out with you and chatting with you. And um, getting you on the podcast is a is a real treat for me. I just um, – like I say, I uh, – um, I, I, I can really appreciate all the work you put in and your discipline and dedication to elk hunting. And I I see your success and cheer for your success every season, you know, because I know I know you're putting in the work. So this is a real treat for me, Dan. Thanks so much, man, for taking the time and coming on and chatting to elk hunting and um, being honest and authentic. Um, I just love this stuff. Mm, man, the feelings mutual. Um, I've admitted this before, but I want to do it on your podcast while you're listening. My biggest man crush is you, dude. I, I seriously, um, I have so much respect for who you are as a man and your family and what you stand for. And I'm so glad that you're in the hunting industry. And I, I wish I could clone you and make more Brian Barney's because um, you are the real deal, man. So keep doing what you're doing. Yep. Thanks, Dan, man. I really appreciate it. That's a really nice compliment. So um, keep in touch as always and um, keep working hard towards those goals. All right, you got it. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Always a fun conversation with Dan. Um, yeah, I, I always get pumped after I talk to him. Uh, he's just the model of uh, putting in the hard work. I love that saying, uh, we're selling hard work. <laughs> I, I think that's so great. Uh, but it but it is. It's like, uh, uh, you know, hunting this public land, um, public opportunity like most of us do. Uh, there just are no shortcuts. And the only way I've ever got anywhere in this in this game is to to put in the work day in day out uh, put in the work when nobody's watching and um, that is my key to success and I believe it's Dan's as well so um, man that's it's what it's all about and the off season is the time to improve and we're in it right now and uh, just can't wait uh, for the 2022 season so um, just putting in the work trying to improve my game and uh, come into the season swinging and I'm sure you guys are too so great podcast thanks for Dan taking the time jumping on I uh, really appreciate him uh, make sure to check out everything he's doing the um, elk shape podcast uh, he's having great success with the elk shape camps and uh, these guys that are going to these camps are improving their skill set and uh, finding success. He's giving you the tools to be successful. So uh, just doing great things in the industry. And so super proud to, to call him a friend. And uh, with that, make sure to um, check out our sponsors for today's show. Uh, we've got Sig Sauer Optics and Matthews Bows. Uh, both just game changers for me I've been using for the last handful of years and uh, really appreciate both of those companies and the products that they produce and uh, looking forward to catching up to them here at the show. And with that, um, 
I still got a, I got, I got kind of my stuff laying in a pile here, but I got to get packed up, get on a plane. I just, um, man, just so busy. Uh, Barney Construction, uh, Eastman's Elevated, uh, Eastman's in general. Um, yeah, just keep myself busy uh, along with, um, you know, trying to keep up with family and basketball games and my training and things. It seems like there's hardly a free minute, uh, but that's the way I like it. I like to keep busy and. Um, like to be getting in that work like uh, this winter time work uh, under the bow and uh, in fact I'm going to shoot some arrows before I leave and then I believe I'm taking my bow down there as well so I'll have my my bow in the booth um, I'm not sure if I, I probably won't get any shooting while I'm down there but um, if I can find a target uh, you better believe I'm gonna I'm gonna fire a few arrows so uh, anyways looking forward to this show gonna do some live podcasts got some great guests lined up and uh, be fun to meet some of you guys down there so um, and hopefully draw a tag you never know right get my name in the hat anyways it's like the only way you draw tags so uh, in the heart of application season right now, um, trying to do my research and due diligence and, uh, hopefully end up with a, a few, a few tags in my pocket. So, uh, make sure to check out everything we're doing. Come by the show, say hi. Um, we're giving away a, a, a bunch of items there at the show. Uh, we're also giving away a bunch of hunts, um, especially under that, that, um, tag hub, the premium membership. And again, you can save some coin in there if you punch in Brian as your promo code, or it might be on the landing page, Brian. I'll, i got to ask the guys and see where it's at, but you might have to put in Eastman's Tag Hub backslash Brian and then get to it there and save a little coin on it. But it's a great membership with a bunch of benefits. You get all our videos. Uh, you, you get to um, see them a month early on there, and that's uh, Beyond the Grid and the Eastman's Hunting TV you can see the, the complete video history on their video library and uh, a bunch of other perks on there as well. So um, I've been using Tag Hub for my uh, research in these states and uh, really helping me to help dial things in. So, all right, with that, I got to get my bags packed, rip a few arrows here, and uh, get on a plane and help set up that booth. So we'll uh, hopefully see you guys down there. Thanks again to Dan Staten for jumping on the podcast. And um, thank you guys for the support. I really appreciate it. Uh, continuing to grow this podcast, which is just amazing. Uh, never thought when I started this thing seven years ago in my basement uh, that I'd have you guys listening in. So it's just been an amazing journey. And um, I'm, I'm uh, as much or more in love with uh, Western hunting now than I was when I started this podcast. It's just uh, such an amazing journey and such a great place to challenge myself mentally and physically. And so I uh, can't wait trying to set up myself right for this 2022 season and uh, hopefully find some success. So um, with that, uh, that's a wrap and uh, check in with you guys next week.